Welcome back to our last episode of the Daniel Energy Partners In-Basin Observations Podcast for 2023, or our first for 2024. We'll see when we get it released. Today, our guest is none other than Stuart Bowden, the President Chief Executive Officer of Ranger Energy Services. We'll try to dive into Ranger's third quarter performance, just a little bit on the well service market, uh, and the industry outlook for 2024. I'm sure we'll touch on a bunch of other things in there too, but that's just kind of how I thought it, we'd start it off. Um, with that, I'm gonna let John you know, start going into questions and Stuart to start answering them. Sounds good, good yeah. to be here. Yeah, thank you, thank you for joining us, Stuart. So uh, we'll start with the highs and then we'll move to the lows, right? It's only highs. You know, <laughs> headwinds, are, headwinds and tailwinds, but as we, you looked at the, the Q3 results, and again, dated now, because it is December, but uh, revenue, you've outperformed overall activity, right? In the sense that revenue has held up, margins have been expanding. Yep. You paid your first dividend, you've started buying back stock. You know, in light of sort of where the general activity has gone in the field, rig count, frack rig count going down for much of 23, how have you been able to buck that trend? Yeah, no, th th thanks for the question. It's a, first of all, great to be here. Um, you know, obviously huge kudos to the team and, and a lot of really hard work. Um, obviously a lot of the pressure that we saw, certainly in the first part of the year, was tied to, you know, in the natural gas basins as natural gas prices came under pressure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're kind of fortunate on kind of how we were put together a lot. We, we don't have as much exposure to the natural gas basins as maybe some other players. Um, and if you kind of look at, you know, a lot of our activity, it looked pretty sort of consistent through the year and mm -hmm. we we're pretty excited that we kind of grew quarter over quarter. What I'll tell you is up underneath the scenes, the the duck feet were paddling pretty quickly, right? Mm -hmm. As you're moving some equipment out of the natural gas basins, maybe into the Permian, maybe uh, up into the Bakken. So there was some shifting mm -hmm. um, that, that that went on. Um, and I think we had, we truthfully had some pretty open conversations with customers, as you'd imagine, certain customers said, hey, look, you know, like look, look what's happening to commodity prices, we want a price concession. Right. We just said, we just can't do it, right? right? Um, and so we really kind of, you know, focused on maintaining that. We were lucky that we were able to potentially put more ancillary equipment out, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, that, that, that had some benefit to customers. But uh, I mean, there there was a lot of kind of shuffling going on, uh, kind of behind the scenes, if you will. Now, when you have the discussion with your customers on price, because we a number of your peers have talked about pricing has been much more resilient yep. than in prior cycles. You know, gas markets may be a little bit different. But you know the production price work pricing has held yeah. relatively strong. Um, your margins were I think fourteen point six percent consolidated in Q three, EBITDA margins, right. which is better than where it has yeah. been historically. <laughs> yeah. But frankly, it's still not that good, yeah. right? For a labor intensive, capital intensive business. So on the one hand, you have customers seeking relief because commodity prices are down. Yet you're still trying to manage a business with margins that really aren't right. as strong as they should be. So right. how do you, how do you educate them on that? Mm -hmm. Well, so being public helps, yeah. right. Yep. Uh, you know, so, so the one thing I will say is when you talk to customers and they start the conversation, you can say, Hey, go look at my financials and you can see my corporate performance. Yep. Right. right. And by the way, we don't run bloated G and a, and you know, we run, right. we think a pretty efficient uh, operation. So that certainly helps. I think the other thing is having an open conversation with them and saying, you know, the reason you're talking to Ranger in the first place is because you've told us, you think we have good crews, you think the crews are trained, 
the equipment has been properly maintained, we're mm -hmm. doing preventative maintenance, we're keeping things certified. All of that takes money, right? right? And so I think when we really sit down with, with people and we've even like some of the big customers, we'll go open up our, um, our, our, our maintenance program. We'll say, look, like literally you wanna go pull a rig, we'll go into our database and we'll show you all the PM that we've done on them. Mm -hmm. Again, just to show them what we actually do and what mm -hmm. it takes right. to run a business. Okay. Um, generally, I would say what we've seen is that the larger players um, kind of get it, right? right? Yep. Um, and I think particularly for the larger EMPs and the public EMPs who became, you know, they their investors told them they had to be re very returns focused. Mm -hmm. And we just say, look, it's the same thing for us now, right? right. We're going through the same process that you went through. Yep. And I think they understand that. Some of the smaller, you know, kind of mom and pop EMPs right. are probably a little less receptive to that. But I think we feel like we're getting kind of pretty good traction with the bigger players. Yeah, and obviously working with the bigger players gives you more scale, right? Mm -hmm. And so you talked about an award on your Q3 earnings call. Yep. I think most people who listen to the podcast probably know who that customer is. Yep. I'll let you say it if you want to say it. But it was a major. Yep. And how did you win that contract? What was the process? And any color would be helpful. Yeah, it, it, it was it was interesting. Uh, the conversation started really back in the spring, kind of early spring of, of, of this year. Um, and, you know, from what we understand, several vendors were kind of called in. Uh, I'm sorry to have conversations with senior mm -hmm. management um, of, of this major. And what they kind of walked or what they started out saying was we have, you know, more than 15 well service providers. We want to shrink that number significantly. Um, we want to do that because we feel like, so this is what they were telling mm -hmm. us, uh, that they were having very uneven performance, whether it's uneven safety performance, operational performance from the different vendors. Mm -hmm. um, and so again, they really wanted to shrink the number of vendors to you know, have a partnership. Right. Um, but, but, but they were pretty early, pretty early in, the, in, in the journey and the, they've kind of asked that we sort of not say who it is, but yeah. I think most people do know who it is. Um, but you know, when we kind of went through that process and then we started the conversation with them, I think we thought it was gonna take a while. Um, right. To their credit, they really started to move move pretty fast. Okay. So after those initial conversations, I kind of alluded to it earlier, we actually came in, we opened up our safety system. Right. I yep. mean, full on, you wanna get into it, you wanna see the reports, you wanna see you know, all of the records of our observations of our incidents, we open that up, we open up our maintenance programs, um, we do a, you know, an e-ticketing program, we showed them exactly how that worked. Mm -hmm. So we, we were pretty open about, here's what the inside of Ranger looks like. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I think through that process, they got a lot more comfort that we could be kind of a long-term partner uh, for right. them. We also, I think through that process, we even talked about our financial strength. Right. Okay. So one of the things they came to us and said, hey, if we're going to do this and we're going to make you a major provider, we need to know you're going to be here for the next, you know, years. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, so that's really kind of how it started. Um, there were kind of a couple of different versions of it. There was one version that felt a little more take or pay mm -hmm. and kind of guaranteed yep. hours. Um, ultimately, I think they were trying to figure out if that really made sense. Um, and kind of what, where it landed was we're guaranteed a certain percentage of their kind of, of know, their work, uh, of, their, of work. their work at a set price. Um, at we, we, we have price sheets. There are price reopeners okay. uh, in them. Um, 
as part of that process, um, not just sort of like well service rigs, but it comes with a lot of additional equipment that comes out too. Uh, so ancillary equipment and power swivels and pumps right. and all those kinds of things. So, um, you know, it, it was a pretty complete, again, um, kind of package. Uh, okay. That's how we kind of thought about it. Now that, that customer may or may not be, have announced an, another acquisition. <laughs> Let's just assume that yep. they did. A lot of large customers have. A so, lot of large, yeah. yeah. So the question then becomes, you know, if customer A buys, you know, company B, and you're not working for company B, under the arrangement that you have, how quickly can you get that work? And how, what, because clearly, you know, well, I'll just answer that question. I'm yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so really a lot of it is, you know, in the conversation, so the, 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 the partner we're talking about uh, has announced uh, some acquisitions. Um, you know, it's really been dependent on, you know, as I kind of communicate to us, is the pace that they'll do the integration, right? right? And so, um, y you know, it's it's not, I wouldn't say there's not a set date, there's not a, but you know, they've, they've kind of said to us, hey, look, here's how we're starting to think about the integration timeline. Um, here's when we think we may start making sort of shifts, you know, changes in the vendors. Right. Um, and, yeah. you know, given this, because it was such a big deal really for both sides, right. we've had to really go through and lay out the schedules, right, over the next three, six, nine months, right? Because mm -hmm. you, some of the stuff you just can't turn on overnight, right? right. So, right. you know, there have been a lot of scheduling meetings and bridging documents on SOPs and all those kinds of things. So I think it'll take some time. Right. Um, but but really, I think part of it is you know how they how they think about the pacing of their integration. Okay, right? but when you look at I mean consolidation, it can be it can be good sometimes, it can be bad sometimes. Yep, that's right. Yep. right. <clears throat> but in a case where you're someone like this is buying somebody, I think your initial view would be it should be good for you. Yeah. No. So so right. Simplistically. I, yeah. No. Yeah. no so, so 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 we do think it's good for us, and 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 the reason that we think it's good for us is 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 a couple of reasons, right? So I think we feel like at Ranger, we do, you know, a better job than most working with the larger players, right? And mm -hmm. so as they're trying to consolidate vendors and get more kind of call it, you know, sustainable, reputable, strong vendors, we think that helps us. I think truthfully, you have to balance that with, does one plus one equal two or is it equal 1.7? Mm -hmm. Does it yeah. equal 1.5, right? And I think we're, we're always trying to balance that. Right now, it feels to us like consolidation has been a positive, right. uh, and we yeah. feel like, yeah, again, a, a net positive. Uh, Keeping with the consolidation, right. the uh, as you have more of your customers get bigger and bigger, they're probably going to want to work with more established providers, a la Ranger or the bigger yeah, public, sure. co big, bigger companies. <clears throat> Therefore as you think about the competitive landscape within well servicing, you still have a number of the mom and pops that right. might run five to 10 rigs. Sure. Who might potentially start getting shut out. We think it's already happened. It's already happening. Yeah. We, it's, we feel like it's already happening and uh, I think uh, we could point to examples. Okay, yeah. and, and it would be great if you would point to one in a minute. Uh, <laughs> but if you can, I understand. But, uh, but the, I guess the question is like, you know, in my prior life, I used to work for a well-service company. Right. And, you know, it was part of our, the strategy to aggressively buy companies. This is now 20 years ago. <laughs> okay. Um, but it, that probably doesn't have the same appeal to go buy smaller players, perhaps because of the customer mix. Right. You So it, talk about, yeah. it seems so, like it's devaluing those companies. Yeah. So, 
The first thing I would say is we do think there more consolidation needs to happen right. on the wealth sure. service space. We are believers in consolidation. I think most of my larger peers are believers in consolidation as yep. well. Right. So, you know, if I were to go on a limb, I would say, will there be more consolidation of some of the larger players in 24? Certainly, I hope so. Yeah. Um, so I think it needs to happen. I do think that the smaller players, you know, the quote kind of roll up strategy of smaller players is becoming less and less interesting okay. uh, for us. And really, it's for a couple of reasons. So one is I think that as the customers get larger, they really are, you know, again, if you look at the customer we were just talking about, they picked large players because it takes large players to go you know, service them. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that happened at the expense of smaller players, mm -hmm. right? So if you go figure out who they're working for, they're, they're people lost share, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so I think just the consolidation one, um, tends to push out some of the smaller players. I think the other thing I would say is, and, and look, we, we've looked a lot at, at, at a lot of them. Part of what we wonder is, you know, in the wake of our acquisitions, and we're not the only ones, we do have equipment that we can pull off the fence for mm -hmm. $100,000, $200,000. We do a CAD4, we place an engine, maybe a transmission, we can kind of get it out there, right? Um, so I think that we have excess equipment and so then we've started to wonder, well, what exactly are you buying, right? Yeah. So if I go buy a rig, well, I, I already have rigs, mm -hmm. right? Um, unless it's like, sometimes we go cherry pick rigs mm -hmm. and hey, I really like that one and I want, but um, so what are you actually buying? A lot of this has been neglected too. I think right. one of the things that we start to worry about is you kind of go, oh, well, this is a 2013, 2012, you know, sort of vintage rig. It's about to come up on its Cat 4. It frankly, in the 2021 timeframe, probably got neglected pretty significantly. Um, so sometimes the assets look a little rough. And then the third thing I would just say is that, you know, then it's about, oh, well, I'm going to go buy this because it's, you know, I want a relationship with a smaller player. Mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. do, do I really? I yeah. mean, I mean, I'm going to get, I, we feel like we're probably going to get those calls anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, I think what we would say is more consolidation needs to happen. We, we spend a lot more time thinking about it with other larger and mid-sized players right. than we do rolling up five to right. 10 rig players. Now, the industry's already witnessed <clears throat> a ton of consolidation by virtue of 2020. Sure. Right. Yep. You, you guys got big fast. Yeah. At a we very did. good, you know. You bought stuff at a great price. Uh, that was a yeah, once yep. in a lifetime, as they say. Uh, yeah. So there's a, there's like four or five of you that have some real scale. Yep. Um, now, selfishly, we would want no consolidation because yeah. you guys are all yeah. clients. But <laughs> be that as it may, the, the market needs that to happen. Right. Yep. I mean, to the extent you would be willing to elaborate, why isn't it happening? Because we all know what needs to happen, but it just can't seem to happen. So. You know, a, a, a lot of our conversations, um, and, and and I will say that it feels like they're kind of getting more active again. Yeah. Now, now, will, will, will it happen or not? I, you know, it it, it it it's it's hard to say. Um, I think the one advantage of being public, right, is we have public currency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, if you think about the players that you're kind of talking about, a lot of our peers, then you know, again, it's like okay. Because their other option is that they can go together and then try to go public, right? right? So we have public currency, that, that that's an advantage. On the other hand, right, we all know what Ranger and a lot of our peers 
other public peers are trading at. Right. And, you know, particularly in fourth quarter, everybody's off a little bit, yeah. mm-hmm. right? There's been a lot of pressure. And so if you kind of think about, you know, we're trading, you know, today, a little over sort of three times EBITDA, um, you know, we obviously think that that's a very, right. Right. you know, that, 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 that we're worth a lot more than that. But if I have to do a deal, it has to be accretive. Right. I go merge with someone and they kind of go, well, okay, so let's just say you're trading at low three. I take a quarter turn. I'm now going to be, or a half turn, I'm going to be below three. And so do I want to sell for two and a half? And if I have a kind of positive, medium, long-term outlook, maybe I'll just sit back and run this thing for cash for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so th- I think that's kind of where things kind of broke down. Um, I think things also broke down a little bit, and you guys know how, the, you know how this is. You come out of 20, 21, you go into 22, and everybody starts arguing about like, well, what's your 23 forecast? Right. And like, right. Uh, well, I'm gonna grow faster than you are. But the reality is most of us grow at fairly similar rates. Right. Right. We feel like the bigger ones are gaining share relative to the smaller ones. We're pretty happy with our performance. Um, but I think now there's been enough track record post 20 and 21, right? right. So we, we now have 22, we now have 23. Right. You can go look at it and kind of go, okay, look, like let's, you know, it's a lot easier to do relative valuations now right. mm-hmm. going forward because we have two years of quote, reliable track record. Right. Yeah, reliable, somewhat steady, yeah. yeah, kind of out there. And we can stop arguing about like, well, I think I'm gonna grow at 20%, you're only gonna grow at five. You're like, right. well, look, we're gonna, yeah. yeah. We're both going to be at 20, we're both going to be at 5, but let's just stop arguing about it. But yeah. the tricky part right now is, you know, it's, it is late December, commodity prices have right. more or less tanked, right, relative to where they were a few months ago. And I think it's a little bit uncertain as to what happens next year. It, it, it is, which, which I personally, I think, again, you know, we, we may look back at this podcast in six months and, and sort of chuckle, but yeah. I do think right now that's part of the reason that sort of conversations are picking up a little bit. You would think right. so. It, is people are like, okay, look, let's, there is uncertainty. In the right, market. right. Now, the challenge is you guys have done a great job fixing the balance sheet. <clears throat> and to make something really accretive, the best way to do that is with cash. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I yep. mean, as the, the guy who helped delever this thing, do you want to relever this thing, right? Potentially in a market that could be going south and we don't know yet but yeah. i mean it's so again the, the the first thing i would say is is we're believers in consolidation we think yes. more needs to happen um as you say it, it's a somewhat simple math equation you know you right. you you want more accretion pay more cash um one of the reasons we get a lot of questions from investors like are you going to be net debt zero forever right and i think yeah. the way that that I talk about it in the way that Melissa Kugel, our CFO, talks about it is, is we say part of the reason that we have the balance sheet that we have is because it gives us optionality. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So are we going to go put five turns of debt, you know, on the balance sheet? Absolutely yeah. not. Are right. we going to put three or two? No. Could, could we go put a half turn a turn right. to get a deal done if we had line of sight into kind of rapid payback? Right. Yep. Of course we would, right? right? Um, and so I think that's how we've been, been kind of thinking about it is, are we afraid to use the balance sheet? No, um, we'll be conservative with sure. it, right? right? But, but we do, look, we have capacity. And certainly if you think about some of the players we're talking about, you know, they're actually generating cash flow on their mm-hmm. own and you put them together then, you know, right. you. We, we could easily absorb it. You know, we have an accordion feature on our, our line of credit. So, so, so we think we could do things pretty, okay. pretty right. easily. Do you have bankers coming in right now pitching like high yield markets to you guys if you were to do a deal? 
I'm curious what you're seeing on terms. Right. Yeah, n- n- not really. Okay. Uh, so, so I've. St- I think we feel like right now we're probably like that market probably isn't really available to us. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it might be. We we don't need it. No, uh, right. 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 But in concert with a deal, perhaps you might. Or no. I th- I think right now, if we look at the deals that we would you know quote most likely do, I think we could do it kind of within our existing okay. right. our existing structures. Got it. And then again, not at the, you want you can't talk about a specific deal, but the synergies would be real. With any of you in the top, well, sir. Uh, yes, group. I think that's right. Yeah, uh, and 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 I think that they they come in a couple of places, right? So I mean, I think there's the off the obvious kind of support function, yeah, right? right? Kind of GNA uh, synergies. A lot of us have a lot of overlap on yards, right? Correct. You know, mm-hmm. kind of you know in in basins. Um, we haven't talked about this, but I talked to this a lot with my investors. I'm a big believer in big yards, big you know, a big position at scale positions in a basin. I think mm-hmm. it lets you be more efficient. It lets you manage yeah. your, I'll call it kind of regional and local GNA. Um, so, you know, again, as an example in the wake of our, you know, the basic asset purchase, we were 50 locations. You know, the day that closed, we had 50 locations combined across the company. Mm-hmm. It's now 25, right? Yeah. right? We had 25 in the Permian Basin alone. It's now eight, right? Yeah. So. Again, I think we would all probably, if you put some companies together, would again go through a very similar right. exercise and you know keep the keep the facilities you know that are owned and you know all those kinds of things. Okay. We've talked a little bit on the well servicing space, but you do yeah. more than just well servicing. Yeah, we are. We have a very large wireline group and so P and A group. And can you, let's walk through both of those for a moment. Sure. Wireline. I know you mentioned the strength in the Northeast. Uh, the uh, the north so the so north. the Abogan. we're not okay. in the northeast. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's right. And then, but the south region was a bit more competitive, particularly on the completion side. Yep. Can you elaborate on what you're seeing today? So I think we are continuing to see pressure on the completion side. So so we kind of think about how we kind of talk about the wireline is you know production work, completion work, and mm-hmm. then uh, then pump down work. Um, and and we've been pretty open that uh, the completion market has been under a lot of pressure. I would say, you know, particularly, particularly in the Permian Basin, but, but, but it's under pressure. Part of that is as, you know, the fracks have tried to bundle, mm-hmm. bundle wireline uh, and do plug and perf themselves. Um, some customers like that. We have a lot of customers that say, look, we want best of breed. And so, so, so we're not gonna do that. Um, but we've seen, there are a lot of players um, it's completion work, so it tends to be 24-hour work, which means right. it tends to be crews can move. They're all rotational crews. Mm-hmm. We saw a lot of equipment come out of the Haynesville and show up in the Permian Basin, right? Um, more so than we saw on the rig side. We saw some of it. We absolutely saw it, like uh, in, in Wireline. I think the other thing that I would highlight is, you know, if you kind of go back to pre-COVID, you know, kind of 18, 19, um, you know, when kind of the first disposable gun system came out, that was actually quite unique and it actually let people if you were kind of forward thinking you could actually do the job with sort of less crew members yeah. on on location yeah. right there there are now five at least five maybe more credible reliable disposable oh, gun guns. systems those gun systems can be delivered to location right, right? and so just the you know in a way the barrier to entry um, has 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 diminished, right? Uh, and so I think on the completion side, 
we, 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 we do see that still under, under a lot of uh, pressure. Um, without mentioning names, there are some bad actors. Yeah. Um, right, you know, I think that was one of the, in, in the, on the well services side, the consolidation, um, you know, pretty quickly, the players that were sort of the historical were going to drop price for a share. Mm -hmm. Some of the, that, that got cleaned up pretty quick, right? right? Yeah. Um, so, so we're still kind of seeing it on the, you know, I think you, you see it more on the, on the plug and perf side. So on the completion side, um, it has to rationalize itself, right? right? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's in a place right now where I don't think, at least when I talk to peers, everybody kind of scratches their head and says, okay, this has to end at some point, right? Right. right. When you had the, the, the customer that came to you on the, on the well servicing side with yeah. the contract, did they do the same thing on wireline? Or on PNA, um, how do they? So, so well, so, so some of the PNA is actually part of that. Yeah, uh, okay. is part of that. Um, the wireline, I think they are talking about doing that. Okay, is is, is our understanding, and okay. we're you know obviously in early conversations. About sure. That. Okay. And then on the wireline, you talked about the, the the guns. I'm curious. You know, we saw go back in time uh, a few years back. Uh, EMP started self sourcing things like sand and yeah. so forth. Have they started buying the guns themselves? Like, why, why should they or should they not? Yeah. Um, so, so, so they don't, what we've seen is they won't necessarily buy the guns themselves. They may direct you. So cert certain customers, depending on their frack design, right, may have sort mm -hmm. of a, a, a kind of a favorite gun yeah. system, right? And there are, look, there are some gun systems where they say, I don't want this disposable because it's too expensive. I just want the cheapest system, mm -hmm. right? And I'm, I may even give up a little bit of, efficiency or have a couple of, you know, misfires. Right. Okay. Uh, other people say, you know, I've, I, I like this gun system, this configuration, you have to use it period, full stop, but we're not seeing them source guns okay. directly. Right. But I got it. Um, and there's actually a working capital. I mean, unfortunately for us, for well, us I mean, if we go yeah. buy it, right. And they pay us, you know, 45 days later, well, guess what? We're, we're paying for the floats. So. I, I just remember many, many, many years ago, I went out and, uh, went to a wireline operation where they had the the pre-made guns, if you will, mm -hmm. and walked in the back of the shop and there's just like one dude there kind of getting a box, putting on a truck and off it went. And then I went to another wireline shop and there's like a bunch of guys trying to assemble all the charges. Yeah. It was just, not, it was interesting again, many, many years ago, yeah. the difference because you saw one was labor light right, <coughs> and had much better performance than someone who was very yeah. labor intensive. With a lot of well, and, 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 and as you know, when you're when you're assembling guns and yeah. and charges and everything in the field, it, it's, yeah. it, it's 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 it won't be as consistent. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you're running the company today. You've got prospects for M and A. You've got the shareholder returns that have now kicked off. Um, labor, I would imagine, remains a headache like it always has been for it's the sector. It's a headache. It's it's um, you're starting to see kind of more regional differences. Yeah. I would say. Um, so it, it's a headache, yeah. right? But so where are you spending most of your time? <clears throat> um, I spend, well, right now, so we just poured our budget yesterday or, or we just approved our budget yesterday. So that's obviously been a lot of time. I would say one of the things as a public company in the space, we, we felt like, uh, and I spent a lot of time and, and, uh, again, our CFO, Melissa Kugel, and I spent a lot of time with investors, right. uh, talking to investors and just explaining the story, mm -hmm. right? And so I think a lot of it is explaining the Ranger story. 
A lot of it is also explaining the oil field service story. Right. So we would, I would say in the last, you know, call it 12 months, a lot more generalist investors mm -hmm. are starting to kind of poke around. Uh, you know, we, we, you'd be surprised how often we hear, yeah, I haven't really looked at this since 2013 or 2014, right. yep. but tell me what's different. And you're like, oh, right. there's a lot different, yeah, right. right? So um, I'd say we spend a lot of time with investors. Um, I, I'm a big believer that, you know, so much of what Ranger does <clears throat> in our success is driven by what happens in the field, on the well site, on location, right? And so um, I enjoy being out in the field, right. so I try to get out as much as I can. I still wish I could get out even more, but you know, certainly engaging with the districts, the district managers, right. the VPs, um, you know, I think that 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 takes a lot of time too, um, or or <clears throat> we're going to spend time. I think the other thing too is, look, obviously on M and A, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we we're all talking to one another, right? right? You know, sure. we're all trying to sort of do the dance, um, and then I think starting just to think, you know, for us. We were very acquisitive sort of in 21, right. right? We spent a lot of 22, kind of in the front part of 23, really integration, right? You know, yep. we, we integration, yard consolidation, systems, all of those kinds of things. But you know, now we're starting to think about, well, where should we be investing for, you know, what should Ranger look like at the end of 24, right? at the end of 25, right. at the end of 26? How do we want to think about technology? How do we want to think about data systems? How do we want to think about, so I think trying to be a little bit more strategic okay. um, in kind of how we think. So, you know, a lot of that's internal work we're doing. But okay. You noted the discussions with shareholders are more active today than maybe a couple of years ago. Yep. Everybody has their own opinions. Some want dividends, some want buybacks, some want growth. Yep. Is, have you found a consensus yet with the folks you see? Uh, a consensus? No. Okay. Uh, so there, there are, as you kind of alluded to, there are outliers and the opinions are strong. Right. Um, so we, there is a group that just says it's got to be dividends. You know, you, you need to turn into a yield vehicle. Um, we have other people that say, look, if you're trading at, you know, I kind of mentioned over three times. Um, and that's the most attractive investment you have. You should buy your own stock and you should be buying stock every day and just keep going. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, so we kind of hear it all. Um, where I think we, a lot of discussion with management, a lot of discussion with the board, a lot of discussion with our investors, um, a couple of things as we thought through our capital return program. The first thing that I think, and when, the, when, when the conversation first started, it was always this kind of either or. Mm -hmm. Well, either we're going to do dividends or we're going to go do share repurchases, right? You've done both. And, and yeah. we've done both. And you've done acquisitions with buying the pump down right. units. So it's I mean, a little bit of everything. Well, and, and so one of the things we, we, so somebody says, oh, well, you guys are doing everything. It's just the, oh, it's the everything strategy. We mm -hmm. said, well, no, actually we've been, a, we would like to say a, a lot more thoughtful than that. Yeah. So when we kind of put it all together, a couple of things, I think the first thing is we looked at it and we said, well, you know, we can actually commit meaningful capital returns to our shareholders and still generate cash, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And keep cash for M&A. And so if you've kind of looked at what's, what happened in, in 2023, you know, there have been share repurchases of dividends and the balance sheet is, is, is clean, right? Um, we kind of looked and said, oh, we can still do, do that going forward because the great thing about sort of our business is so much of our EBITDA converts to free cash flow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We talk about EBITDA margin, I absolutely agree with you, it needs to be much higher than it right. is. The good news is that a lot of that does actually convert to real hard cash, right? right? Um, I think as we thought about it, 
on 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 the dividends you know we kind of thought about it and we said the first thing is we know you can never take that back mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and what we wanted to show to investors was particularly in well services and some of the sectors that we're in is we believe fundamentally through the cycle that this business is going to generate cash and we can pay you a dividend no matter what. Um, it's a relatively modest dividend, yeah. right? Yeah. It will, with current share, you know, kind of plus or minus $5 million a year. But it's something we said, like kind of under almost any, other than like a big black swan scenario, yeah. we, we, we can pay that. And we wanted to show our commitment to that. So it's a little bit of belt and suspenders, mm-hmm. right? I think we also said, look, we want the flexibility to build cash for M&A because we do need to be bigger. We want to be more relevant in the mm-hmm. financial markets. Um, but then I think we also said is, we also want the flexibility to where, look, there are times when you look at our stock and we say, that's just the best investment we have, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And if we have the balance sheet strength to do it, I have the cash to do it, why, why wouldn't I do that, right? So, um, you know, right now, certainly the capital returns program, uh, you know, kind of up through you know, Q3 has been more weighted to share repurchases. That's been a function of how Unfortunately, the the sector has traded. Right. Um, but again, I think we kind of feel like we can do it. But again, it, it's not a oh, let's just sort of throw everything out there and see what sticks. You know, again, pretty methodical to say, look, we're going to pay that dividend no matter what. It's real confidence in the business. Right? Okay. Speaking of confidence in the business and the budget, uh, knowing full well you're not going to tell us what your guidance is, <laughs> but as you talk to your customers in the last several weeks because again things have changed very quickly right? they, they have changed very quickly yeah. and, and and you might even argue since we we kind of poured the budget things have changed so yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm just curious at this point do you envision production related work as an industry being up in 24 versus 23 <clears throat> so kind of what we're hearing um and i think kind of what we're you know sort of our view is you know it's going to be largely consistent going forward right um, it may be, you know, if it's going to be up, it's going to be low single digits, okay. right? So I think that's kind of how we're, I mean, we're basically budgeting flat activity right. uh, kind of going yeah. forward. Okay. Is, is, you know, that's kind of underpinning our, our assumptions. We can then talk about market share and things like that, margin expansion opportunities. Right. But generally what we're saying is we think fundamentally the macro will be kind of flat. Okay. Earlier <laughs> you made a comment with respect to technology. There hasn't really been a lot of technology in well servicing historically. Is that going to change in the next three to five years? I think it is going to change. I I think that it is, uh, and, and I hate to keep tying everything back to consolidation. I think as part of those conversations, um, people are starting to have, I would say, kind of, okay, if we're going to really sort of you know have a partnership and really think through this. Let's go and talk about, quote, technology. And, and it comes in different flavors, right? So I would say at one level, it's kind of very basic around, you know what? We should get a lot smarter about what's happening on a rig in real time, right? Yeah. So let's have sensors sort of in the derrick. Let's go tie it into the ticketing system. Let's go talk it in. You, know, you, you, know, you can go log into a portal. You can sort of see, hey, has the crown out? Has the floor out been engaged? Has there been an uncontrolled descent? Um, how much MBT, flat time is there, all those kinds of things, right? So, um, <coughs> excuse me, we're, I, I mean, I think people are kind of starting to sort of, you know, go down that path. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of been out there, but I think it's right. just sort of getting more systematic about it. And I would say more tied into people's systems instead of saying, here's a report I can give you. Right. Like, we're going to go tie it into your Wells report, right? Okay. And again, so 
um, I think we're starting to see more of that. Um, I think you're then starting to see, you know, conversations that I would say are, you know, kind of more ESG related and it is like, okay, how do we want to think about the carbon footprint of what's happening in the well service space? You know, I would argue that I see a lot of people spend a lot of time on that, on the drilling side, mm -hmm. right. certainly a lot of time on the frac side. The interesting thing on the well service side, <coughs> on the well and you know, on the wireline side as well, is unlike frac, we're not on, under sort of like constant power all the time, right? It's mm -hmm. very intermittent. And so I think the conversation, you know, early days it was like, well, why don't you tell me what it would take to build a fully electric rig? A lot. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot, right? And, and look, you can kind of go back, you know, we, we paid, you know, a little less than $200,000 per working copy of a well service rig when we bought the basic assets, right? right? That's kind of what the, that's sort of, the, you know, take, take the first price and divide yeah, yeah. Uh, by working by rigs. rigs. Yeah, right, is, is what you get to. You know, you're, you're a factor of 10 to 15, right, probably to actually build an, an electric rig. But then what I would say is I think, so it kind of started out there and then, you know, maybe somebody says, well, I, I don't care, I, I, you know, what I really want is I, I want the press release that says I have an electric rig. Right. I'm gonna, yeah. Pay for it, I'll, I'll build it. But then I think people are starting to say, well, okay, let, let's let's get more smart about, you know, basically how much does it cost for me to abate a ton of carbon in the well service space, in the wireline space, on a PNA rig, you know, and you know, kind of what you start to you start to kind of go walk through and say, well, the first thing I could do is I could go put in a tier four motor, mm -hmm. right? You can get, you know, eighty nine percent of the benefit for call it 150 plus or minus thousand yep. dollars. Okay, right. that's a very different proposition. Right. Right. Or you could say, well, another option is I could drive the equipment out to location under diesel power. And then if I have a battery pack or I have sort of like a- That you powers know, it there. Right, yeah. then, then all of a sudden what I could do is say, okay, I can go hook into pole power or I can actually go run electric once I'm on location. <clears throat> and then, you know, obviously then I can go fully electric. And so I think customers are starting to kind of build that curve, if you will, on, you know, okay, well, how do we really want to think about it? The third bucket I would say is everybody's really always, this is, you guys know this, right? It's, it's a very manual process. Um, the teams are, the, the team and the crew, they're in the elements, they're under suspended loads. There's always a conversation of, can I get people off the rig floor? Mm -hmm. What can I do to get off the rig floor? Can I actually do right. automatic time? And look, we have some IP around that that, that, that we've been kind of pushing. Uh, we're starting to talk to customers about, okay, look, you know, let's take it from the conceptual stage, let's build some prototypes and let's get it out on location. Right. So. DNC efficiencies is something you see all the time in EMP slide decks. Reduced drilling times, yep. you know, higher hours pumped per day, et cetera, more completed lateral foot per day, all that good stuff. You don't really see people talking about reduced time with respect to maintenance work, right? There's, yep. there's no data there. I'm just curious, you have, you're in a weird spot where you bill by the hour. Yep. So why would you wanna be more efficient? And if nobody tracks efficiency well, how do you prove that you're more efficient should you decide to be more efficient versus your competition who might not have systems to track efficiency? Yeah. Sorry for kind of <coughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see if I can sort of unpack that yeah. a little bit. Um, so, 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 so the first thing is I would say, you know, on a well service rig, on a lot of the work you do, you can only 
quote, be so fast when you do that, right? And unless and there's it becomes safety a, issues, if you go there, fast, there's safety issues. There's, uh, I mean, unless it's fully automated, you know, there's only so much you can do. And by the way, if you're actually installing tubing, you can over torque. There, I mean, there's all sorts of things like you can cross thread, all the things that can happen, right? So, um, I mean, I mean, there is you know a kind of limit to that. I think what we see is people are less focused about what's happening, you know. Instead of saying, you know, can I be faster per joint? What they're really saying is, how can I be faster across the job, mm -hmm. right? How do I think about rig up? How do I think about rig down? Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we've been talking a lot to our customers about is what really kills our business. And this has been really embedded in some of these bureau contracts is, you know, if we go work and then you say, oh, the pad isn't ready. And so we go wait around for two days, three days, four days, mm -hmm. right? So one very practical thing happens is obviously my, my equipment isn't working. The crews aren't working and then they're like, well, if I'm not going to work, I'm going to go, I'm going to go work with somebody where I know I have steady work. Right. right. But I think what people have found and our customers have found is as you start to have more consistent work and you literally go from pad to pad, the rig never stops unless it needs to go back you know, mm -hmm. for preventative maintenance and some of that, a lot of that we can do in the field. So what happens is when you do that, when you start to look at how long it takes to do a workover, right, um, on a set of wells, you see that it starts to become quicker, right? So it's kind of, does that make sense? It's sort yeah. of through the multiple wells. And I think that's where we're really starting to see the efficiencies. Okay. Um, and and you know, your question is like, well, why would you want to do that? Well, it helps us because like we're getting rid of flat space or, okay. or white space. White, in all of our businesses, white space, white space is space the killer. Yeah. Like that's the absolute killer. Any questions, Bill? Yeah, I've been, I've been hogging of, it like, yeah, I, been like I normally everything. do. Yeah. I tend to hog. And yeah, we're and we're starting to get to that forty-ish minutes too. Yeah. Um, no, so we talked a lot about optimism for twenty-four into the future. I mean, kind of any final kind of thoughts on now you've built this thing up, grown it obviously a lot. You feel like you're in a pretty good spot in a little bit of a market that next year feels hopefully flattish yeah you know how do you guys feel like rangers position for that for that and then kind of into the future too so you know obviously we're very you know proud and excited about about what we've done uh, ranger today is a very different company that was in in 2018 or 2019 yeah. right? right you know through the acquisitions um you know there's been kind of four uh acquisitions in the last uh, several years so uh, we we really kind of like the position we really like a lot of the you know the work that we've done um, been spending a lot of time really, you know, it's, we talked a lot of strategy, but you know, a lot of it for us is this is a people business, yeah. right? I mean, this is ha half of our cost base is sort of around labor, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, 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 and we've been really, you know, I'm really excited about when I kind of look through just the bench strength of the company, if I think about the district manager, you know, the vice presidents, the district managers, the supervisors. We're watching supervisors take over districts. We're, so, so I'm very excited about that. And I think it really translates to what's happening in the field. So, you know, we've talked a lot about just sort of the financial strength of the company, but, you know, what you might not see, you know, I'm sort of just, again, excited about, you know, just the talent, just the mm -hmm. depth uh, that we have in the company. Um, I do think there's gonna be more consolidation. We feel like that we're, you know, I think we've been pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. um, um, certainly, you know, some of that that timing was, you know, we talked about that was 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 great. But um, so so I think like like we're optimistic. I think I, I would just sort of also say is 
when you look around, you know, kind of the public market, um, there aren't a lot, there are a couple, but there aren't a lot where you would say, here is a public production focused oil field service company that really is sort of focused, you know, it's kind of through you know, generating cash and return through through the cycle. And and I think we feel like that we have we have an opportunity to to, right. to, to, to be that player, right? We have obviously different, you know, we have a kind of a different exposure profile than frack, than drilling, right? right? So just because we sit in a different part of the value chain. In a twisted sense, a soft year for the industry where you could prove out that the resiliency of the margins and on the production side would probably help you over it, the long term. It, 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 it might, and certainly we, you know, we talked about, this is what we've been talking to our investors about, you know, the first three quarters of this year is to say, um, you know, look, I think everybody sort of ultimately had to guide down a little bit, but right. you know, Q1 to Q2 to Q3, we grew quarter over, over quarter in a market with headwinds, right. right? And so we think that that's testament to the resiliency of the business yeah. model. Well, we, uh, we kind of are hitting our limit, so okay. we'll, we'll call it a day. Yep. Thank you very much for joining us. No, thanks for thanks for having me on. Look forward to seeing the budget in a, few, <laughs> in a couple months when it comes out. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, th again, thanks for joining us, and you know, we'll, we'll get this out, and hopefully people enjoy it. Sounds great. Happy holidays thanks, to sir. you guys, yes, and sir. have a great new year. All right, thanks.